Episode number 146, 146 episodes it's taken me to slow down the guy who's created the coffee that actually fuels this podcast. Summit Coffee owner Brian Helfrich is massively aggressive in his ascension. He's taken a little bitty coffee shop in Davidson, North Carolina, and he's found a way to spread it like wildfire. And there's not often times where I don't have either a Summit coffee cup in my hand or having some sort of business meeting out at the patio out back of Summit Coffee's base camp in Davidson, North Carolina. So without any further ado, let's jump a little bit deeper into the guy who's infused an idea inside of a coffee bean that has allowed that idea to spread like wildfire. All right, all right. Welcome back to the show, guys. Really, really excited about this episode with Summit Coffee owner Brian Helfrich. Actually, sipping on a cup of coffee right now, the 1998 Summit Series, which is actually their um, 19th anniversary edition. So shout out to Summit Coffee in September, celebrating their 19th year in existence. This coffee, hold on, let me get a nice little sip here. Ah, this 1998 Summit Series is actually uh, a derivative from Honduras, which is really cool. And if you've got a second, jump on over to summitcoffee.com slash coffee. You can get eyes on their adventure series. They've got two medium roasts, one which is their original called Base Camp. That one is a classic. They've got another medium roast called the Kilimanjaro. And then their dark roast is appropriately called the Alpamayo, which are three really different tastes in and of themselves, but extremely, extremely delicious, uh, just depending upon your taste. So summitcoffee.com slash coffee, jump on over, check it out, maybe have something sent directly to your doorstep. Is there a better feeling than when there's a package at your doorstep or inside your mailbox? I'm not really sure there is, but... uh, As always, sharing is the way that this podcast continues to grow and scale. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, take a screenshot, tag myself at Wesley T. Knight on Instagram, as well as include Summit Coffee at Summit Coffee Co. on Instagram as well. Let us know where you're listening. Maybe tag your location, add some information in there, maybe some quotes from this particular podcast. Let us know what has really resonated and hit home with you guys, because this episode with Brian Helfrich is fantastic. And I can't wait to dive just a little bit deeper to let you guys see some of the unique characteristics of Brian Helfrich and what has allowed him to continue to build his business, build himself, build his family, and build success. So let's dive deeper into the story of Summit Coffee and Brian Helfrich. Guys, what's happening? Welcome back to the show. We are at Huga Co-working Space in Charlotte, an incredible co-working space that has one of the finest podcast studios that I've ever gotten to walk into. Um, you can find Huga if you're in the Charlotte area. We are Huga.com, Huga spelled H-Y-G-G-E. And we are here today with the owner of Summit Coffee. This is Brian Helfrich, and Brian um, is a champion first and foremost. Brian, we won last weekend. We won... Uh, a tournament here in soccer. It was one of the highlights of my life. (laughs) We literally got to play a little bit of footy together, but Brian is the owner of Summit Coffee. And if there is one word that describes 
Summit Coffee. It's aggressive. Second word is developmental. And what I love about Brian is the way that he is, uh, that he's constructing his business and the people within the business. So with that being said, Brian Helfrich, my man, welcome to Creating Space. Thanks, Wes. Psyched to be here, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really impressed by what you're doing. To be fair, let's, let's start uh, very simply. Before I get into the spiel, man, Brian, you got a lot going on. You're doing a lot. You're pushing the needle forward, but you know, slow it all down. What are you grateful for today? Uh, at the end of the day, and where I start and where I come home to, I'm super grateful for my family. I, uh, I was one of seven kids growing up and uh, have a wife and two kids that I hang out with every day now. And uh, no matter what happens, super grateful that I get to be at home every night with those folks. Yeah. Your, your wife is an artist. She is. Interior designer. Yeah. So you've got her art up in the, in your shops. Incredible yeah. work. By yeah. The it's, way. it's amazing. And she, uh, she sacrifices a lot in letting me uh, come down here and, and podcast and run the company. But uh, we're currently building her an art studio. So she should be up and running in a couple of weeks there. That Where's the art studio going to be? Uh, it's going to be in Davidson. Okay. So we're psyched. And, uh, it, inside the home in, that you're building? Se- uh, on the property separate from the home. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. What's that dynamic like? Uh, what dynamic? The wife? The dynamic of having someone so willing to support you, but at the same time supporting the family and how, how many years has that taken to get seamless? Uh, I wouldn't even say it's seamless still. I mean, it's an ongoing challenge and it's something that we, uh, accept. I think, uh, being okay with challenges and being willing to tackle them head on. I think it's something we talk about all the time that Tyler has, Tyler, my wife has, um, put her work sort of secondhand to raising our family and supporting our family and sort of getting excited about the summit growth. And, you know, in the meantime, she's painting and little four and five hour windows that she can, she can find. And that's one of the reasons we're building an art studio at our house is so she can do it at nap time and at after bedtime. And she's selling art, everything she paints, she sells. I mean, she sold 12 paintings in the first two months of the year and she's painting one day a week and it's, it's wow. crazy. So, wow. Yeah. So giving her the opportunity to have the balance, which yeah. is important because you guys do everything aggressively. You guys are ex- exploding, Brian. I mean. When I was in the Davidson area and I was starting to tap into that market and asking who are the individuals here that are doing cool things, that are pushing the needle, um, that would be excellent podcast interviews, it was consistently your name. And when I dug deeper, I found out that not only did Summit begin in the Lake Norman Davidson area, it is now in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's right. We, uh, we decided uh, five years ago, so we were going to go for it. And, and really in the last two years, since we started roasting our own coffee, which took us into an entirely new segment of the business, uh, we decided we were going to just make ourselves available and, and make ourselves hard to ignore. And so uh, we are sponsoring things we probably couldn't afford to sponsor. And, uh, you know, one door opens another door. And all of a sudden we have uh, some folks from Saudi Arabia who are calling me and calling me and calling me and saying, will you teach us how to roast coffee? And can we can you, we fly you over here for a month? Right. So wait, that's a humble play, right? Like, yeah, we sponsored a couple of things that we couldn't. But to be fair, the art of knowing when to take a risk and knowing when to play it safe. Walk me through that moment of gauging some things you want to sponsor, putting money towards some things. And how do you decide what you're going to invest in? That's a great question. I, you know, I think that everything I do uh, prepares me f- to be able to make these decisions when I need to. And I sort of am an, I'm a risk taker and I'm an aggressor, but I do a lot of work and a lot of reading and a lot of studying and whether it's of magazines or of other people's socials or whatever it is and trying to 
be on trend so that when I do have the opportunity that I'm ready to to jump on something. And so when I got a call to sponsor the biggest national coffee convention, biggest global coffee convention, and I had about 12 hours to come up with an answer, it was like, well, I, I generally know everything to expect here. So let's, let's dive in. I will figure out how to pay for it. So uh, you, at some point you made it very binary. It's like, does this, does this make sense or does it not? Or would I regret having done yeah, this? That's or would exactly, I not? That's exactly right. It was, uh, I think with all innovation for me and with all good ideas, it's the ones that I can't stand the idea of not doing. And I, I jump into those. I mean, sure. not to be double negative, but it's, I don't want to look back the day after and be like, man, I, what if? Right. Right. So have there been any ideas thus far that you look back on and you think, man, I wish I'd have driven a little bit harder on that. Or you talk about innovation. You are the idea guy, super creative. And you've got a great workforce with you that supports you in your direction. But as a guy who's constantly having ideas come to you, how do you choose which idea is the right idea? Yeah, I think it's, um, I've, I've learned I am the idea guy. And for a long time, I co-owned the business with my older brother, Tim, who was definitely the more deliberate, more thoughtful one. And so I knew the role I was playing was the idea guy. And I knew that I had somebody who was going to stop me uh, before I went too far. And so now that I own the majority of the business and run it by myself, um, you know, we're really going for it. And so there's probably some things over the last couple of years that uh, Tim might have raised his hand and said, slow down, but um, I don't have anyone to do that now. And so uh, I think, again, as I start thinking about things and if new ideas are popping into my head and different ways I can branch out from a certain activation, and when I just keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it, it's like, all right, I need to do something with this space because I can't get out of my head. The, uh, the gift and the curse of being a creative. Um, really cool to hear that at some point, Summit was a family dynamic. Yeah. It is no longer, though. What uh, is the story behind that? Yeah, it's uh, my brother's owned Summit since 2003. So Summit's been around f- since 1998. We're about to celebrate our 19th anniversary uh, starting nice. tomorrow. Nice. Um September every year we celebrate it and uh, it was like a week ago when we realized September was going to be in a week and we had to pull some things together really quick but uh, so my brother had owned it for a long time and it was a single coffee shop in Davidson and uh, when he hired me in 2011 with the plan to grow the business we still had one cafe and eight employees and uh, you know it was a very modest but really successful coffee shop and um, when I see things I see things what they are and then what I think they could be and so that was immediately why I think my brother brought me on and so we did that for five years together. And then I think I had sort of taken it to a different place where he was, I uh, wanted to hop out of the car at that point. And, <laughs> Great and, metaphor. Yeah. I mean, it's, as you know, I mean, entrepreneurship's, it's, I mean, it's more than 24 seven. I mean, it is like oh, yeah. all consuming. It oh, is. Yeah. And so we talked about acceleration and being an aggressor. Obviously, when you got in the driver's seat, it was pedal to the metal. Um, your head's whipped back and you're, you're in this thing. Um, how do you slow down? I don't know. And that's a, it's a great question. I still have a lot to learn. And I, I was talking to one of my employees last week about this pace we're going at right now. I feel like we're in a car going like 150 miles an hour. And so as long as we stay in the car and we don't crash and nobody jumps in front of us, it's like, it's fine. It's smooth. It's a nice car. Sure. It's like the second that you take a wrong turn or something, that's, you're in a dangerous place. And so. Have um, you gotten to a point though, where you started to feel the, the steering wheel? shake and, and it's yeah. been a cause to roll over to the side of the road and adjust. Yeah, I think a couple different times in our trajectory. I think uh, our first expansion in 2013, when we opened our second store, was we opened our second store the same day we had, my wife and I had our daughter. 
So it was like, I mean, it just like these two events were coming up on our schedule and we're like, it seems like they're going to happen at the same time. And sure enough, the same two hour window. Uh, And so it was like, you know, we're trying to expand while also trying to figure out how to be a parent. And so I took a three week sabbatical from the business after about six months. And it was on the way back from that sabbatical. So I was in Denver, Colorado, and I drove back across country to North Carolina by myself for two days. And it was in those two days where I was like, I can't do this. I had like had a breakdown driving across the country. I was like, I'm not built for this. I was like calling my brother from the road being like, I need to get out. I can't do this. What were you, what were you feeling at that moment? Uh, I think the, the stress and the, for lack of a better word, and I'm, super fortunate and gifted and blessed to be in the position I am. But there's, um, I don't know if this is the right word, but there's a certain burden that comes with uh, running a company and having a lot of people that work for you and just the weight of other people's lives and successes being dependent on you, which just like, for some reason became really real in that moment. And it was like, and maybe it was because I took three weeks to step back and think about it all that I thought it was going to be a cleansing trip and it ended up (laughs) Having the opposite effect. Yeah, so it was bringing up a lot of doubt. I'm sure. Yeah, a ton of self insecurities and whatnot. Yeah, which which when you go pedal the metal all the time, you don't that stuff. You can sort of train yourself to block that out. And sure. I think it's important to block it out, but it's also important to give yourself room to to deal with the things that you're you're worried about. Yeah, talking about development. From, yeah, from a key standpoint, it's about looking at what is broken and taking the steps to fix it. Um, a lot of a lot of different directions we can go. Incredible conversation. Uh, at the same time, the same token, you're a marathoner, big time runner, um, exercise and fitness. Yeah. Is that your outlet to deal with those with uh, those types? One hundred percent. Yeah, it's the uh, first thing I do every morning. I, I wake up uh, four thirty in the morning and go run for an hour or ninety minutes, and um, it is my total uh, and probably only reflection time because I know as soon as I get back to the house, the kids are getting up and I'm hanging out with them for a couple hours and then I'm working the rest of the day. And, um, so I've really found that both, I mean, as a way to stay healthy, but physically and, and mentally, I mean, it's super important for me. Is that where ideas will come to you as well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, can flush them out. And sometimes, and that's the thing I love about running is it's, um, you know, you can escape it first, especially if you're going on a 10 mile run, you can spend 30 minutes not even being aware of what you're doing. You're just in your head and you're hashing through all the ideas and the conversations you want to have and the people you want to share the ideas with. And I, and it's potentially a bad habit, but I've got, I've started, I run with my phone and so I'll send out messages. I'll voice text messages while I'm running at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and uh, just cause I need to share it with somebody. I'm a total collaborator. And so it's like the idea doesn't live in my head very long. That well, that's a system and a process to vet yourself and make sure you don't forget it. So there are so many great ideas that I've forgotten. Um, I like to be the yeah. idea guy. I've forgotten more more ideas than I've actually executed on. Um, and as we as we go and, and weave through this, um, how have you brought that side of you, um, the, the wellness component? To mm-hmm. you, how have you brought that into summit? Yeah, I think the thing that stands out to me is. Um, the base for my wellness is um, sort of self-care and, and health. And um, I've made that a priority for the people that work for us. And um, I think even the culture that we've created, you know, you think of coffee shop cultures as uh, maybe people that take smoking breaks and do stuff like that. And, and that is what it is. But we have created a culture about fitness and health and, and you know, healthy eating and healthy living and and staying active and being involved in the community. And those things are important to me. And so 
Summit is very much a representation of what my family and I find important. And we just try to take those things and and bring them into the business because that's ultimately when your business is as genuine as, you know, this is who I am, then you, you don't have to try to convince anyone otherwise. Authenticity is yeah. key, right? But but coffee these days is big business. Yeah. Do you think that community aspect, that component that you're that you're going in on differentiates you from your competition in the market at the at the, at the moment? I think so. And um, you know, we are we sort of have a couple different segments of our business. We have the coffee retail side. So we have the two stores in Davidson. We have a store opening in Asheville in three weeks. And we have a store opening in Huntersville in October. And um, and then we have the coffee roasting side, which is getting other cafes or workspaces or hotels or clean juice to to serve our coffee. And so those are two very different segments of our business. And I think in regards to retail, I think it's something we've learned how to do really well. I think, and we've been hesitant to expand retail, but I've had a couple conversations in the last year with um, other people in the industry and people I respect. And it keeps coming back to uh, everyone telling me that you guys do the cafe thing so well, and that's really where your future is. And I was sort of very against retail expansion for years um, because it's exhausting. Sure. Um, But then I've talked to a couple people who are like, if I were you, I would replicate this model in other communities because this is the, what makes summit special in a lot of ways. And it's the next hit is in Asheville three weeks. Yeah. That's the, uh, (laughs) that is what we heard from our contractor this morning. So what are you going to change about the current space and in, in Davidson and what's going to be different in Asheville? Uh, the Asheville space is going to be, I think, our next big grand entrance into the national scene. I think one of the reasons we were excited about Asheville is it's still North Carolina and it fits into our summit brand, but it's far enough away that it's totally opening us up to new folks and the visitors coming to Asheville. And I think that Asheville is a really cool space. And in a lot of ways, it's still a really young city. And I think we can be a, um, a big influence in driving the Asheville coffee scene itself. And I think um, we were, we've been flirting with Asheville for a couple of years, um, but never found the right space or the right neighborhood. And I think we finally found it. And so we're going to be, um, you know, we're investing a lot of money and time into the space to make it stunningly beautiful. And we took over a, over a hundred year old building and are gutting it. And I'm um, just trying to design the entire space um, built on hospitality and collaboration a lot of uh that's a lot of expectation yeah it's a lot of responsibility as well what would be a failure in Asheville? um god i spent a lot of time thinking about this uh, i mean at its core i mean um coming in and making a big play like this and having it not succeed i mean obviously financially but also that we aren't able to replicate um the summit culture. I mean, it's really hard. I, I run a company right now with 51 employees that are all within a three mile radius. And so I have a lot of touch points and, and now we're opening something two hours away. And so you gotta, I want to create something that's uniquely Asheville, but also uniquely summit and trying to find that hybrid, um, is where we will have success. And so, um, if we try to force Davidson on Asheville, it's not going to work, but if we try to force Asheville on summit, it's not going to work. And so if we go one way or the other too far, it's, it's not going to be what we're trying to do. So what's your plan of execution for that developmental process? Is that having someone shadow you for a while and transitioning that? What's your plan? Yeah, we have an awesome guy who's running the business for us up there. We hired him in April, but he's um, been working in and around us and with coffee for four or five years. And 
is based in Asheville, so he's got the local sort of organically local brand fit right there. And um, but he knows Summit super well, and has been spending a lot of time up here. And we've been sort of working with him on how to run the business, and um, and then putting together a, a super intentional staff. So we sent up our team to help him do the interviews and be like, all right, this person feels like a Summit employee, and somebody right. who's going to carry forth our ethos, and um, you know, be super friendly and be able to make great coffee and um, so we just finalized our staff on Friday and, um, we're excited about that. Talk to me about the core values, the key components of the culture at Summit. What, what are the things that from a leadership standpoint must carry over? Yeah, I think the, we use three C's um, we use coffee um, community and collaboration. We've talked about community a lot. Um, coffee. I mean, I think that we are and that's more through the roasting side of the business, but also in the cafe, trying to be a national leader in, um, in coffee. And we want to make amazing coffee. And we had a wholesale account, a cafe that we tried our new coffees on yesterday. And they said, the last coffees of yours that we were serving, we thought were the best coffees we've ever had. And then you just brought us three new coffees that are better than those coffees. And so to be able to continue to impress people who are, um, are already working with us is what drives us there. And then collaboration is a I mean, it's obviously a trendy buzzword and we're a co-working space, but that's something that's super important to me. And it's not, um, and I like to do outside the box collaboration. So we did a, um, this uh, coffee and beer partnership with Sierra Nevada that we did. And we do a branded line of coffee for the United Nations Foundation. And it's total outside the box partnerships. And that's sort of where my mind goes is how can I partner with someone else's network and how can we help each other out? And um, And so there's no, um, type of business that I wouldn't like be curious about how to piece things together and make something work. So in getting eyes on other people's processes and supporting other people, mm -hmm. what are some ideas that you have maybe siphoned from other companies and incorporated into what you're doing? Like that's a growth mindset that you have. What are some things that fundamentally you've taken from other companies and incorporated into your culture? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, um, I'm a big beer drinker. <laughs> and so uh, I really, I, I like the beer industry. I think it's really cool. Uh, and a company that I really admire is Sierra Nevada. Okay. I mean, they expanded from California to North Carolina three or four years ago. One of the big things they did was they wanted to fit into North Carolina. And so they started this collaborative beer pack, working with a bunch of other smaller breweries to say, let's make beer together. Let's put your name on our labels. Like clearly Sierra Nevada could just say, here's our beer, drink it. And they would sell a ton of it. Sure. And so we adapted that to coffee this past year. Which so the beer industry is very collaborative in nature, and coffee is not. I think people are like, "This is my lane. I'm staying here." Um, but we worked with Methodical Coffee out of Greenville, South Carolina, and we sort of started talking. And Will Shirts, who's the owner of Methodical Coffee, is a young, curious guy like I am, and um, we decided we were going to create a co-roasted coffee and, and mutually sell it. And um, you know, we're each making half as much money on a, a sale of coffee as we would, but the idea of Will's got an awesome thing going in Greenville. We've got something going on in Davidson, and we could also learn from each other in this process. And so we released for six weeks a methodical and summit coffee that um, you know got some national attention because coffee roasters aren't doing that. So cool. I, I, I try to execute on those collaborative efforts on my social platforms as yeah. we continue to grow this platform. And it has, by data points, been by and large the most successful way to generate more attention and awareness. Um, and to really learn and watch how other people are, are, are going about their systems or their processes or their days. Um, at, at the same time, 
we go back to this component that we mentioned at the top of the show about you being in Saudi Arabia. Do you think that collaborative nature that you have was the key component that got you the awareness of Saudi Arabia? Do you think they were aware to your energy, seeing that you were open, visionary type, and that's what maybe brought them to you to to propose this opportunity? I hope so. I mean, I, I we'd been they'd been sourcing coffee from us for nine months, and ultimately, I learned that they'd been sort of testing us out and wanted to know how it was to work with us, and found that they really liked our coffee, but also liked how responsive we were and how willing we were to help them troubleshoot their problems. And I think um, being a good partner is, I grew up playing soccer as, as you did. And as you know, you know, I, I try to process everything through being a teammate. And it's like, you, if you know and own your position on the field, it makes you so much more capable of seeing where else you can have an impact on the field. And I feel like that's where I am in coffee. It's like, I know I'm comfortable with what our company's doing and where we're going so that if I can go out here and help somebody else out, I can do that because I'm not worried about protecting my own part of the field. So did you have to go to Saudi Arabia? Did they come here? Like, we went, that journey? we went, I did not go. Uh, so <laughs> they, uh, it was fascinating. They contacted us in January and said, we want to learn how to roast coffee. We want you to send two people over for four weeks. Um, tell us how much that would cost. And I was like, uh, okay. And they were right. like, and they were like, do you ever do something like this? And I was like, yeah, all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, what did you do in so that I hung moment? up the phone and was like, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, right. I was like, oh shit, I've got to put a number on this. So who did you call at that phone? Like, who uh, I talked to, I talked to a handful of people. I talked to, uh, my dad, who's a, who's a small minority owner in Summit. It was a career businessman. And I um, and my brother, Tim, who I used to run the business with, who's also a partner. Um, I talked to a gentleman, Toby Foreman, who's who works for us now, but didn't work for us then. That's been in the coffee industry for 20 something years. Um, and I talked to another family member, my oldest brother, Dan, who um, is a consultant. And so it's on a similar vein. And so I talked to those guys and threw a number together and they didn't, uh, it seemed like it was about what they were expecting. Okay. And ultimately, and then, and so we we're like, God, we, we agreed this number and they were like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to come for four weeks. They're going to work seven days a week for 90 hours a week. And I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I was like, well, that, no. I was like, I yeah. cannot ask my employees. Uh, and so ultimately, uh, they were like, well, that's our work schedule. And uh, and so we negotiated a little bit there and and got the hours back to a, a normal schedule for my employees. But I sent over two guys. Um, one of my uh, managers, who speaking of you know having this team of super talented people, uh, one of my store managers is a Davidson College graduate who has a master's in Arabic studies. Whoa. And so it was like, hey, we're going to Saudi Arabia. I think you should go. <laughs> um, and so he was the perfect fit. So he went over there and, and trained an entire barista staff on how to make coffee. And Incredible. Yeah, I was like, now you can tell your parents that your college education was <laughs> paying off for you. So two weeks. Um, at what point were you able to take your hands off of that project and let, let yourself know that you had done enough and it was... It was running on its own. Yeah, I think uh, I handed the project off to um, to Alex as a dame, and then Evan, who's our director of coffee, and sort of said, you know, once I finalized the contract and figured out what we needed to, what they wanted from us, I handed that over to them and said, you guys work and put this together and let me know. We can hash it over. But generally, you guys are going to the ones that are going to teach the material, and you've got to be comfortable with it. And and uh, so I, I was pretty hands off with that entire process. What was the difference between that process and being able to be hands off with that? And this process here, uh, 
you know, the expansion here in North Carolina, what, what was the difference in the mindset there when it's still equally your product, right? The only difference being distance. It's a great, it's a great question. And, and, uh, I think because I decided it wasn't going to Saudi Arabia, it was easier for me to be like, this actually, I can't have my hands on this cause I won't be there. Right. But it's really hard for me not to, uh, I don't want to use the word micromanage, but, yeah. uh, acutely manage the uh <laughs> the Asheville build out i mean it's like sure and it's and i think it's probably because we are spending money on Asheville, whereas we were getting paid to go to saudi arabia of course we're spending i'm spending my money to to build out this cafe in Asheville. so i want to make sure that every light fixture is the exact right light fixture and right. the granite's the right slab of granite and all that stuff so you talk about development and how important that is to mm-hmm. you um, what have you noticed about your staff when you have allowed and trusted them to take on projects maybe without you having to manage them yeah. like before. What have, you, what have you learned about that every time that, that you've given them the opportunity to do so? Um, it's really eye-opening. And, and I think every entrepreneur hits this point where you have people on your staff and you hire people that are better at the job than you are. And right. I think at that point, it's really eye-opening. You're like, not only do I not have time to do this, I'm actually not even the best person to be doing this. <laughs> and it was really Brooke, who's our director of digital media, who's here. Uh, when she started working for us two years ago, uh, is that right? Yeah, two years ago, she uh, she started wanting to get involved with putting on events um, and doing some social media stuff. And I was doing social media for Summit, and then I'd check out Brooke's personal social media. And I'd be like, that looks way better than ours does. And right. I was like, so I should probably just stop doing this and, and <laughs> let one of my employees do it. And that was a good moment. And then, uh, you know, and, and it's one of the things that fulfills me the most about running a business is giving people the the room to grow and to develop and, and uh that is one of the sneaky successes of owning a company in Davidson. As you talked about, it's a, it's a growing town and it's a cool town, but it's um, a little bit of a bubble in terms of entrepreneurship and vacuums. There aren't a ton of growing businesses like us. I mean, there's the big companies like Ingersoll Rand and the college, right. and then Mooresville's a mile away. I mean, sorry, Mooresville's a mile away where uh, Lowe's is headquartered. But if you want to work for a small growing company, you know, we are one of very few options. And so we've, benefited from people either graduating from the college or living in Davidson who wanted to do something creative and and the people that are willing to take a chance and say I want to work for you and I you know a lot of people are sort of creating their own jobs now for me right so it is a possibility now to be a full-time barista and make salary a, a, a decent wage yeah. annual salary as a barista right which wouldn't have existed when you and I were coming through yeah no school. and I absolutely not I mean I when I started at Summit 6 years ago um, I was Summit's first salaried employee. When my brother decided he was going to grow, he, you know, other than the ownership, he made me a salaried employee, and that was like a big jump. And now we have uh, eight or nine people on salary, and um, all of them are making probably more than I made in my first salary. And it's it's cool, and and uh, it's one of the things that continually drives me and also stresses me out is to. Um, I still would like to make the opportunities bigger and and more valuable and more uh, lucrative for all my employees. I mean, I think, and that's entrepreneurship for myself, but also for everybody else. I mean, I think everybody in my company is underpaid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, big, hairy, audacious goals. And I I, I really don't get any ideas, guys. (laughs) You know what? I really, um, it resonates with me well, Brian, uh, that component of always wanting to do more. Championship mindset is where. I, I love to reside. I'm comfortable there. I'm always expected 
a vast amount out of myself in a in a, a multitude of directions and ways. At the same time, it's it it is my biggest enemy because that that personal judgment of either not getting there quick enough or not having it um, for long enough yeah. or whatever, right? Can or does allow me to look at myself and focus on development as a person. So professional development is really important to me. A lot of our listeners at Creating Space are really devoutly working on who they are, how their lifestyle is constructed, and how they can become a better version and live a better life. Right now, when it comes to your focus, personally, what are you focused on improving in your life? Um, I think the one thing that I need to um, do better is slow down and be in the moment. Um, and I think having a family forces that on me in a way that um, I'm very confident that if I was didn't have kids and didn't have a wife that I would never slow down. And and so even the idea of going home to help with dinner and bedtime, like I have to do that. But even more than that, I, I'd like to be able to um, be able to put something to the side, even for like four hours. And I'm, you know, I'm so go, 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 go that it's hard to not uh, just have to answer everything the second it comes to you i mean sure. i'm a chronic uh phone checker and it's like uh i like it because it keeps me going but i also i it's debilitating and you know yeah. it's being at home and it's like hey i just came home from a 10-hour work day but i'm also still sitting at the kitchen you know sending messages to people so i deal with the same issue and i literally have become good friends with the airplane mode um in detaching myself from that addiction so to speak has been tough. Yeah. Do you have any systems right now, any processes you have to begin to work and drive a wedge in between that desire to perform and the desire to connect? Uh, no. And it's, I would say it's my biggest challenge right now. And I've gone through phases where I've been more successful. And I think because we are at this point and the speed right now, I've sort of justified it to myself that it's okay because it'll all regress back to the mean. Sure. Because um, I have times where I'm like, all right, I can. I can put my phone down or I can, you know, not send messages between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. or whatever arbitrary window it might be. But um, right now we're just at this pace where I haven't allowed myself to do that. So it's definitely, I mean, your addiction is the right word for it. It's, yeah. Um, and to me, it's not even a digital addiction. It's a work addiction. Yes. It's like if I wasn't, it's like I'll put down my phone and it's like, oh, let me pick up Fast Company magazine and read about these the hundred best entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. You shift your you shift your focus back to other things. Do you yeah. deal with um, the enemy of comparison? Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't see comparison as an uh, as an enemy for me. I see it as a fuel. Mm -hmm. I, I get more inspired than I get discouraged. Okay. So I don't, you know, even with competition, I think I'm in an industry where there's so many players and there's always going to be so many players and I want to be the best, but I also recognize that other people are doing cool things and it's more inspiring to me than, than discouraging. I get more discouraged by, um, negative feedback. That's probably my biggest like knife to the heart. Sure. As if somebody has a bad experience at one of our cafes or they don't like our coffee or don't think that I handled the meeting correctly. Those things are I'm a words of affirmation, love language person. And so me too, big guy. <laughs> me too. I know how that works. When I was an athlete and I used to get tweets, nasty tweets, yeah. man. Oh, those would those would rattle me for, for days. And literally it would give me performance anxiety. Yeah. Stepping on the field and 
having to perform for these people that I've never met that I just didn't want to say anything negative on social. It yeah. was a terrible tornado of torture. Um, a couple of T's and alliteration there. But uh, as we round this thing out, um, tell me this, Brian. Uh, comfortably enough, the name is something. Yep. What is the something for you? When is enough enough? Yeah, and I, uh, I'm wearing our shirt right now. We've, we've come into this slogan uh, about in the last six months, which is find your summit. Um, and it, it came to me when <clears throat> I was on a flight to Guatemala in March to go buy coffee. And I don't know what the moment was, but it was, you know, trying to, I bought a business that already existed. So Summit Coffee wasn't my name for it. And it started as a literal rock climbing metaphor. I don't climb. Um, and I do a lot of things in the outdoors, but it's still trying to figure out why I own Summit Coffee. And to me, um, it's the idea that everyone has their own summit, which is what you're asking me for. And and uh, that was super exciting to me. And it's like, whatever we can be to help you find your summit, whether that's literally your coffee provider in the morning, or whether we are your employer, or whether you're we're just a smiling face. When you come in in the morning, you need to pick me up. Um, we want to be that for you. For me, um, professionally finding your summit, I, I want um, to continue to grow at a fast and uh, intelligent pace that, uh, I mean, I, I'd like to be recognized as one of the best coffee roasting companies uh, in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why we're competing in the national stage. I'm competing in the U.S. National Barista Championship in a couple of weeks because I want to get our name out there and I want to prove to people how good we are. Um, I also want to be professionally known as an awesome employer. I think in terms of innovation, that's something that I'm really trying to drive is to be a place where you take good care of your employees and they're getting professional development while they're working for you. And it's not just a eight hour punch in, punch out coffee shop job. You're learning a lot about yourself and about teamwork and about collaboration and community. Um, personally, I, I think I, my summit is, um, I'm pretty close to it. I mean, I think it's, uh, I, it, my wife and I lived in Charlotte for a lot of years and and joked that we're not even joked at the time we were pretty serious that we were sort of anti being suburban family. And like all of a sudden it pretty much smacked us in the face that we live in Davidson in a house and we have a black lab and two blonde kids and drive an <laughs> SUV. And it's like, actually couldn't be more stereotypical suburban. But, uh, I think, uh, loving what I do every day is, uh, the greatest gift in, in the balance of work and life. I mean, I legitimately love being at home and then I love going to work. I never dread going to the office and it's, um, but then I never dread going home. And so uh, if you can live a 24 hour life where everything that you do is exciting to you, I think that I don't know what else I could ask for. That's a great lifestyle. Uh, I forgot you love football too. Just getting to see and play with you uh, inside of that arena last weekend was really, really cool, man. I got to see a side of you kind of come out. There's that competitive nature, got to come out and the joy, the little kid, got to come out and I hadn't picked up a ball in nine, 10 months. And to be able to do that was awesome. Last piece of this yeah. hot round. I want to throw a couple of questions sure. at you straight off Let's the cuff. What you think of um, best entrepreneurial book you've ever read? Um, I think um, from good to great book by author Jim Collins. Um, it talked about how being good is the enemy of being great. And I think that's something that we had to face three or four years ago when we were really good at what we did, but we weren't great. Right. Uh, best podcast you tune into? Uh, creating Space by Wes Knight. <laughs> uh, I, will t- <laughs> I will tell you, I'm a, uh, I am was a sports writer before I was this, and so I rarely get time to interact with sports. So I 
uh, I listen to a sports podcast when I run. Excellent. Um, so I listen to uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, and uh, that's probably my go-to in the mornings. Entrepreneur, you are modeling yourself after. Um, I will go back to again. Um, Ken Grossman, he's the CEO and founder of Sierra Nevada, who's has this mega empire. Um, but when you interact with anybody who works for him, it's they represent his values and like exude it so passionately and authentic with authenticity that it, it's, it stuns me that he can have thousands of employees that are like, Ken believes in this and Ken believes in this and we do this. And it's, um, he cares about sustainability, he cares about, um, being a good employer and everything he's done has just been, uh, really admirable. If I were to disappear and the person that reappeared was your best self, your future self, what do you hope he says to you? Yeah, I think take a deep breath. I think my biggest uh, enemy going forward will be how to manage stress. Uh, I'm, I think I can handle stress and up to like a nine out of 10. Like I'm very good at handling most stress. It doesn't bother me, but when it gets to 10 out of 10, mm. it like suddenly gets debilitating for me. Got it. I got an ulcer last year because I was, had so much stress in my life that like I physically got sick. Wow. And so, um, and so I think, yeah, taking a deep breath and, continuing to find ways to, to be a little more peaceful and a little then slow down just a touch. So if that best self disappeared and the younger you who just started to take over summit were to appear, what would you tell, what would you tell? Uh, I would tell, uh, my younger self to be patient, um, and keep your eyes open. I think that, um, keep your eyes open around the business and also around the world. And you never know quite what's going to come up. And, um, I think being willing to make a turn at any moment and and not be so stuck in a one-year plan, a two-year plan, a 10-year plan. Um, and I try to teach this to my employees and it's hard, but there's a stigma when you graduate from a school like Davidson College. It's like, what are you going to do with your career? And it's like, well, I work for Summit Coffee and there's a lot of, we deal with this all the time and it's, um, and people are like, well, how does this, how are you using your degree? And I think if people put a plan, like I'm going to law school and then I'm going to be a lawyer, anything you do that's different from that, you're disappointing yourself. And it's like, you can have some goals, but, but be flexible and be comfortable with the idea of changing. Patience, flexibility, innovation, community. Brian Helfrich, man, it's been an absolute blast to have you on the show. And uh, thank you for joining Creating Space. Thanks, man. Great to see you. I told you guys, this guy, Brian Helfrich, is definitely a diamond in the rough. Lots of, uh, lots of important value that he dropped. You know, patience, flexibility, innovation, community, a tad a bit of aggression. And I think one thing to really kind of ponder on after uh, reflecting through this conversation is patience and how it's so elusive, so evasive, but yet it's so important to search for it, to hunt for balance, to anything that you may be doing, any of the characteristics that you may be exemplifying need balance, right? The, the darkness and the light have to coexist. And so when you are pushing so aggressively towards your dreams in life, it's important to be mindful of what you need on the opposite end of that spectrum to provide you with the balance, the calm, the clarity to move forward with intelligence. And I think Brian alluded to a bit of what helps give him that, but he was also very honest that he's not figured it out yet. And that's the truth about all of us. We're all trying to implant systems and processes that will help us further our development. And 
And it's just like anything else in life. The more energy you put towards it, the more you will get in return from it, right? So I, I equals I O information in is equal to the information out. So the more energy you put towards things, the more you discover, the more data you are able to consume about yourself, about your business, about others, your partners, whatever it is you're putting your energy to, the more you can change the way you perceive it. Then when you change the way you perceive it, then you can change the decisions that you make within it. So if nothing else that you take from today's conversation, I hope it is the emphasis on balance, the emphasis on being okay with who you are, the direction that you want to go, and giving yourself grace inside of that. I really don't think we ever look back and regret the moments that we take for ourselves, the space that we create, so to speak. And I hope that today you take that space, you love on yourself, and in doing so, I bet it changes the way that you love on others. Guys, it's been an unbelievable journey with you guys. I am loving every bit of this Creating Space community, and I look forward to continuing this journey along with you guys. Don't forget you sharing this podcast is the way this podcast continues to grow at the rate that it has been growing. This is how we continue to get in front of new audience members, how we continue to get in front of new guests that bring you guys a unique perspective on mindsets, which you might not have been exposed to beforehand. So take a screenshot of this, share it on Instagram, share it all over your social media spaces. Don't forget to tag myself at Wesley T. Knight uh, and Brian Helfrich and Summit Coffee at Summit Coffee Co. uh, And let us know what you think about this episode or the podcast in general, man. I would love to tune in to just who it is on the other side of this Creating Space community. We'll talk to you guys soon. (music) 